The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy who is good. Hashtag glue guy, hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holy to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is the Liberty Blue. Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Shelby. Andrew Shelby. And Nick Zararis. Zararis. Rangers fans, welcome to Liberty Blue, the best Rangers podcast in town. I'm Andrew Chelney alongside Nick Zararis. We scream about the Rangers so that you don't have to. This episode 48 live on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, and we're available wherever you get your podcasts. Recording just slightly earlier in the day. Hopefully, Christopher doesn't pull the trigger on anybody before then. Nick Jargalant is gone. Now what? We har- we hardly knew you, bro. Uh, I... I- in- the incredulous, his, what do you mean? What, if I can't stand on my record, what I, I, <laughs> I, I cannot understand why this keeps happening. How these guys who spend their entire lives in this game are so not self-aware about basically anything. Like I get, you have to have a certain level of arrogance and machismo to be a professional athlete and a coach within that dynamic if you don't have that kind of confidence about yourself it's gonna be very hard to rally guys around you as a leader as a coach but just like basic self-awareness here like you lost to a division rival after being up two games to none four two of those four losses you got shut out in three of those four losses you didn't even get off the bus in and it's very clear that there was a disconnect i he got from what we understand, it seems like they were at least open to bringing him back. And then they did the exit interviews and very quickly Drury kind of determined that we can't do this. And sure, they can use the the uh, mutually part ways language, whatever. He got fired. Let, let, let's be honest here. He got fired. If, if they want, if they were mutually parting ways, Gallant wouldn't have been so incredulous about defending his record up there. He thought he did a good job and that the players let him down and that if the players played the way he wanted them to, they would have won that series and they would be playing Carolina right now. That I, kind wonder, of- I wonder what the conversation was from Gerard Gallant up on the media podium being like, I can't believe I'm being questioned about my job to, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like six minutes later to the Rangers putting out the same five days he was later. fired. Five yeah. days. Five, five days. Six minutes, five days in the in the, in the the off-season grand scheme of things, same, you know, essentially tomato, tomato. Like, I want to know what the exit interviews de- entailed. Because clearly, whatever Gallant thought during the, during the media interviews was completely different to what the rest of the team thought he thought in his mind that he did at least a good enough job to you know to say to to say that oh you know they went to the conference finals they had a bad series all good that i'll be that i'll be back and i can't i can't even imagine that you that that you the media oh the media is asking me questions about my job look at look at my resume well I the, the the thing about Gallant is that he has such a smug attitude without having a Stanley Cup to his name. Like, here's the thing. I, I know he made it to the cup final in Vegas. I know they made it to the conference finals with the Rangers. He also blew the series against San Jose when he was a, when he was a coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. Like he 
he didn't do an, a, a good enough job with the with the Rangers in the first round this this year, and eventually because of that he got fired. Like, and again, I'm not here to say that it's all on Gerard Gallant. Like, Gerard Gallant cannot make Panarin backcheck. Like, that's he can't do that. He can't make Zabinajad actually shoot the puck when he's on the power play. Like, he can't. We've had these problems with these types of players since before Gallant got here. So it's not as if. You know, Galat was supposed to be the be the fixer of everything, and because he failed at fixing not everybody, he's gone. That's not that's not what this is about. But I'm very interested in what exactly happened between because because if Galat at least had some kind of inclination that he was going to get fired, he wouldn't have answered the media in the way that he did. The or team he, wouldn't have sent him out there. That's the other right, part. Of exactly, this that I exactly. Saw, they yeah. would. They th- that none of that would have happened. Something happened between that inter- b- between those interviews to the announcement five days later that obviously the exit we'll, interviews we'll, killed him. We'll the exit ne- interviews right. killed him. But what like what the what the specifics are? I mean, we'll never know because they'll they'll never release that information. But I want to know what some of the players said that that because it's it was such a duality of man situation because. Like a week ago, Gallant was, you know, was so confident in his ability to stay, and then less than a week after that, he's gone. Exit interviews, something, something that multiple players had to say, really had to had to turn the tides because the pendulum doesn't swing that fast. Something definitely took place. We we, we but we won't know. It'd be your own guys, man. Gallant went to the mat for a lot of those guys this year. No matter how bad some of those guys played, he always defended it. They know what they're doing. They'll figure it out. When Kane got here and they had that weird funk for two weeks, these guys these guys have won stuff. They'll figure it out. They're talented. I'm not worried about it. That 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 confidence and I would say arrogance trickled down to the team the entire season. They're a reflection of his hands-off, we'll figure it out attitude. The players coach thing only works if the guys actually take initiative to do work you, you know the uh how when you were in college you would w- say i'll get up early and i'll do the work in the morning <laughs> and then you would get up in the morning and not get yeah. anything done that was the rangers the entire season they spent this entire season going we'll get we'll get it together look at all the talent in this room we'll figure it out i'm not worried about it and then it was game seven against the devils and oh shit we didn't do any of the work to win this game and you came out flat you oh we had a test today yeah, exactly. We had they a walked test. The, I didn't. I didn't in, know about the test. What it was? I didn't study. Oh no! But those are like the kids where you're, uh, I, I know you're not on TikTok, but that's one of no. my favorite things during finals time is people will take screenshots of texts they have with people and be like, "I didn't see you at the final. Where were you? There was a final." Like that's what the <laughs> Rangers kind of the final yeah. was today. That was the Rangers in that playoff series against the Devils, and that smugness that confidence that arrogance trickled down to this entire group oh you yeah. did not see a lot of those guys the only guys i saw take real accountability chris Kreider, k andre miller guys who are like this is going to gnaw at my soul for the entire summer that we did not do this and then you had guys like truba and gaudreau who were like he's a good coach we like him we think he's okay and kind of refusing to take any accountability for their role in the team losing like truba saying well they're a good team you got to give them credit Bro, you had a 2 nothing series lead, and you very easily could have won two of the last four games, and you guys just didn't do it. Yeah, I, I understand giving the Devils credit, and 
that's kind of that's reasonable. The Devils are a good team. I would argue they're probably a little more talented, a little bit better constructed. You got to take some accountability, bro. You are the captain of the New York Rangers. You saying they're better than us for a team that the team was calling a super team, that this is the best Rangers roster of the last 20 years, that this is the best salary cap roster of the modern era. All of that hype, all of that hoopla to go out in a wet fart game seven and lose four nothing is embarrassing. And there was no contrition on account of the vast majority of those guys. Like you said it before, Gallant said we had a bad week. What I need to know in Gallant's mind, what was different about that week versus the previous 82 games of the regular season? Because for the most part, it was the same thing. The only difference was they didn't score on the power play. Are you going, are you, so I'm led to believe then that Gerard Gallant thinks that Treadwater at five on five, the goalie plays out of his mind and the power play. So the power play is just bad luck that there's nothing you can do to kind of influence that one way or the other. That's kind of it. it, When you say it comes down to like luck or um, it, it, it was a bad week, that's discounting, you know, the evidence, the last year regular season, this year regular season, and we'll get to the revisionist history that's going on about last year that I have been reading ad nauseum in a lot of these Galan obituaries, just kind of like, well, he got great results out of the team last year, and they made their own luck. They played Louis Domingue. They played Louis Domingue in a playoff series, and it took seven games to win a playoff series against Louis Domingue. They should never have beaten Pittsburgh. Like, yeah. let, let's be, you know, we can we can do revisionist history, you know, on the podcast or if anybody else wants to do it all they want, like, you know, go ahead and do it. But let's be honest about the situation here, because like it took a lot going it, right for them. To it get took so much to happen for the Rangers to beat the Penguins in overtime of game seven with an AHL goalie in net. Like, well, Matt Murray started game seven, but the previous six games. Sure. Sure. Right. Not Matt Murray, um, Tristan Yari, excuse Tristan, me. I'm Tristan mixing up Jari, my right, right, right. But stories. like, you know, regard like, and, but Jari was hurt. So it's not yes. like he was 100% anyway. Like the, yes. the, the Rangers were playing a hurt goalie and a goalie who isn't an NHLer. And it took seven plus games to get it done. Like, And it's a true but knocking Sidney Crosby took, out yeah, of right. two games because he had Zabinijad in hell, which, again, happened in this series. Nico right. Heischer, Zabinijad still not out of Nico Heischer's back pocket. Exactly. Okay. Like, well, Sidney Crosby was having a tremendous series. He oh, was yeah. awesome. They were killing Zibinijad He was awesome. The Rangers five. didn't have anything. And then Jacob no. Truba did what Jacob Truba does, and that doesn't do anything besides hit people. So he hits, he hits the best player. Crosby's out for the out for the round and the Rangers win. Like he, I guess he did his job. I, if you want to say, if you want to call it that he did his job, he hurt the opposing team star and the Rangers won because of that. Great. That's why they pay him $8 million. Got it. Understood. So, so he did that. The Rangers had, you know, essentially uh, uh, one of the goalies of all time in net for Pittsburgh, and they they still barely won. They played better against Carolina, and they won the first two games against Tampa Bay. And then all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh my god, are they, are they actually going to do it?" And then Tampa Bay figured out, like, "Oh wait, no, this team is." Actually, and then the Rangers had another bad week. Yeah, the team is actually not that good. And then the Lightning won the next four, and then that was it. So, like, the Rangers needed so much to go their way in order to just get to Carolina. Yeah. Now, and I, I think Carolina, if I remember correctly, took a 2-0 series lead 
and then Rangers were yeah, like, it was, wait a minute. It was home ice, home yeah. ice, home yeah. ice, and then game seven was the only road yeah. win in that series. But even then, like, you know, in the in the Carolina series, the kid line essentially took over. The kid line was dominant throughout the throughout mo throughout a lot of that a lot of those six games. Like I remember the the Sean McDonough call of like, you know, the kid line growing up before our eyes, and then Filipino scored that goal. And like it was it was it was pandemonium. Like that was the series where we thought, okay, like this this kid line is going to be solid. Like this is going to be like this is their coming out party. Like they they are going to be this noticeable and this, you know, solid moving forward. But this year, we we saw them show up for for some weeks and this disappear for others. And you know, like they they have underlying metrics in these playoff series, but they just they didn't find the score sheet. And that was one of the biggest differences as well. Is that like they? I think Lafreniere was, was, was held without a point. Yeah, they they yes. didn't have that scoring, and and ultimately the Rangers needed everything to go their way just to get to Carolina. And they kind of I don't want to say they banked on the same thing happening again. But in a way, they kind of did, and it backfired. Oh, did it backfire? It was the 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 arrogance that don't worry about it, we'll figure it out, and they never figured it out for the whole season. Okay, moving along, I kind of want to tie into this because this next point is kind of where I'm at. None of these candidates even are remotely enticing. No, I have no interest in a Peter Laviolette. I have no, no interest in a Bob Hartley. No. I have no interest in a Daryl Sutter, a Mike Babcock, a Jack, Jack Capuano, a Bruce Boudreaux, a no. Claude Julian, a Mike Yo, a Michelle Terrian. I have no interest no. in any of these guys. But Most they did the, these... they did the bare minimum, Nick. They're not going to go after Joel Quenville. The bare minimum yes. has been met. Yes. Yes, that that's also because from what I understand, it was pretty clear that the NHL would not clear Joe Quinville for this upcoming season. I listened to 32 Thoughts this morning and Elliot and Merrick were talking about it. And uh, the, the way they portrayed it was that it was out there that the Rangers were interested in doing to this. And whether they officially talked to the league or back channeled to the league, there's the way I think the way Elliot phrased it was. It's possible Joe Quinville may eventually get reinstated, but it would not be fast enough for this upcoming season. And that's why the Rangers got it out there now that they're not going to be talking to Quinville. Good. Basic morality. That's right. good. Okay. The now, bare minimum. I Listen. Hey, Wait, and that's saying yeah. something for this team. The bare minimum is sure. a lot for the Rangers. Because they didn't do morality. it with Patrick Kane. So I guess they did it with yes. Quinville. I mean, better... I guess better late than never. Sh- sure, that's that's a that's a that's a check mark to the Rangers. Good job, you 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 did it good. I'm proud of you. Yes, yes. Okay, so the the main point in listing out all of those guys, it seems that the early buzz is Laviolette, now Block. That's really it. Th- those are the only two guys I'm really. Anything I've read, anything I've listened to, who even have a remotely a little bit of buzz, it came out they're not going to talk to Sutter good. Um, I'm a little worried about Babcock because of the Sather role in all of this, because Sather's ties to Hockey Canada, Babcock's ties to Hockey Canada. A little worried about that, but Babcock technically retired from hockey last year, but there's conjecture that he'd be willing to come back for the right job. That's my, that's my real, like, God no. Most yeah, of these well, other guys are bad to mediocre and with that logic there's a real argument that with this pool of candidates out there you might have been better off just keeping Gallant. and that's really kind of it it sucks because like he's not a great coach 
but he's better than what's out there right now. None of these guys are even remotely enticing. Like Knobloch is the most enticing to me because he's kind of a blank slate. You don't know what he's going to be at the NHL level. But everything is so fragile with this team right now where they don't have any room for error anymore. They need to show real growth in guys that they expect to carry this group into the next window of contention, meaning Hito Kako, Lafreniere, Keandre Miller, Braden Schneider, the Zach Jones, Matthew Robertsons of the world. They really need those guys to hit because other than that, it's looking bleak out there, man. They've got a lot of money tied up in guys between the ages of 28 and 32. And those guys are going to start to deteriorate. It might not be next year or the year after that, but you cannot say you're a bona fide Stanley Cup contender if your best player is 34-year-old Artemi Panarin or 35-year-old Mika Zibinijad. Like it's just not a it's not a realistic situation. And that is something I want to circle back to. But go ahead, jump in. I see you're about to say the the thing about not trying new people is that we've sh- we've seen it to work out for teams that have won the cup jared bednar was not an established nhl coach but when he got the avs role now i understand that he took over when the avs were horrible i i completely yes. understand that but it takes a certain kind of coach to be able to to take that you know dumping ground essentially and turn it into a stanley cup winner within a matter of a few seasons. Now that is on Joe Sackick. That is on, you know, the, the upper management, et cetera. Like a lot has to go right for a team to win a Stanley cup. Like I'm not out here saying that Jerry Bednar is the number one. And the only reason the Avs won the cup, that's not, that's not what this is about, but it, you do need somebody that can coach properly to, to, to at least better help the team in front of you win the Stanley Cup. And Jared Bednar, now I understand that, you know, they the Avs lost in the first round. They also didn't have Landeskog. A lot of players were injured. Sometimes it just be like that. But the, the Avs were coached so well under Bednar, and he was an established coach. John Cooper, when he took the job, wasn't an established NHL head coach either. And now you've now he's one of the best coaches in the in, in the entire world. Multiple cups. I under again. I understand he got knocked down the first round, but the team is older, and they were also pretty. Back. They were also exhausted. When you go yeah. to that many cup finals, you know, in in a certain amount of time, you are exhausted. So Vasilevsky's played twelve thousand minutes over the last four years. That's three thousand more minutes than any other goalie in the entire league. When he, he was tired, like he the the entire yep. team was very tired and. Does you know? You, I guess you can put like a modicum of, of blame on the coach, but like ulti- ultimately, when you've when you've had this much success, bowing out in the first round because you are thoroughly exhausted. I'm not. I'm not gonna say anything negatively about John Cooper or the Lightning for that matter. By the way that they played this season, so both of those coaches weren't, you know, established hockey men prior to their roles. They weren't they were, already in the club. They weren't. Yeah, they were. They wanted to get in, and the and the the lightning and the abs opened the door for them. And now they are very VIP members, essentially, of the club. Like in order to get people to be in the club, you gotta open the door at some point, because you know if you if you never open the door, eventually the club's gonna be empty. 
You have to well, open the door. Andrew, at some the counterpoint point. to that is they are intentionally keeping that door closed to protect the interest of the people who are already in it so that they can continue this long line of cousins and nephews <laughs> and sons and dads. And that's all that is why people do not get new opportunities. Right. Because no, uh, listen, when you have that vested power structure at the top, the smallest part of the pyramid, they don't want anybody from the bottom half getting in. That's why you don't see people doing unconventional hires in professional hockey the way you will in other sports. And that's not a, a commendation of, you know, the NFL, NBA, or MLB. It's just they're a little more willing than the NHL. I mean, the NHL got its first minority GM in the last five years. And, you know, we're talking like 2017, first minority GM in the history of the league. Like, that's insane. But there's a vested interest in maintaining the small circle to maintain power. Um. The one last point on this before we kind of circle back to the Rangers themselves. I don't think any of these guys is going to address the real issue at hand. I think that's where the next part of the conversation naturally has to progress to is this is not just a coaching issue. Yes, coaching was part of the issue for the Rangers this season, but there's a lot more at hand. I was DMing back and forth with someone talking about this over the weekend. The NHL is a GM-centric sport. The roster construction will bear out the vast majority of the impact in how your season goes. This is not like the NFL, where if you have a really good coach, you can mask a lot of your personnel issues with good coaching in football. In basketball, you can get away with having a little bit less talent. Basketball is the most star-driven of all the sports, so that one you can get away with only having one really good player, and you can be a mediocre team. And then baseball, you definitely have to have a good feel for your team because baseball is such a deep roster. You you know, you know go through 40, 50 guys throughout the course of an entire season, that bottom half of the roster especially. But in hockey, you are very beholden to what you have. You might show up somewhere like Gerard Gallant and the system you want to play does not work for the guys you have. And Gallant spent two years trying to force square pegs into round holes, did not get the desired result he wanted. And you often heard him say, we're not playing the way I want us to play. We're not forechecking hard. We're not maintaining zone time. That is not what your skill set is. That is not what your guys are good at. And that type of stubbornness will, A, give you a short shelf life, which we've seen Galan have in all of his stops now. I, I think it's very reasonable to say that that stubbornness, that that arrogance, that's who he is. He, he's been fired after good results, too, in Vegas, yep. in New York, okay results in Florida. Th this is who he is. But the coach itself is just another part of the problem. It's why... I feel the roster construction, the general manager, and ultimately the owner, because I think the owner is really at the behest of the problems of the last four to five years, because I spent a lot of time when I wrote that article that I published Tuesday of last week, kind of trying to unpack it, go backwards, reverse engineer how we got here. And a lot of these issues start in that 2021 season where David Quinn's the coach and He's managing with a very short bench. He's playing a lot of Libor Hayek. He's playing Jack Johnson for the first 10 games before he has that hernia. He's playing a lot of Colin Blackwell. And 30 games into Lafreniere's rookie season, he's playing eight minutes a night to get Colin Blackwell in the top six because they're trying to make the playoffs. And the official narrative is everybody got fired after that season because 
the expectation was to make the playoffs, even though during the season, the GM and John Davidson, the president at the time, had said, we'd like to make the playoffs, but if we don't make the playoffs, it's not the end of the world. We understand that this is a long-term thing. And then everybody gets fired. Drury, who's been in the organization for an extended period of time, gets a real opportunity. He's doing both of those jobs now, which still I think is a bad idea. I think you should have a president over your GM, but he's doing both of those jobs. They bring in it's a Glenn coach. Sather. Glenn Sather is still the president. Let's let's be honest with ourselves here. It everything I, still goes through Glenn Sather. I I was talking about this with somebody this morning. I think this is directly James Dolan talking directly to Chris Drury with the way and because Chris Drury got promoted the way he did where all of his supervisors got axed and he was the only guy left. He's really beholden to what the owner wants. If the owner says, I want this on the team, Chris Drury has to go and do it. The owner got felt emasculated by what happened at the end of the 2021 season and said, this team's a soft. We need to get tougher. And the co- the GM said, okay, I can make us tougher and got Ryan Reeves, Patrick Nemeth, Barkley Goudreau, and Sammy Blay. Three of those four guys are no longer with the organization. And the fourth guy, Barkley Goodrow, probably won't probably be with the organization. Yeah. I, yeah. So I think there's a very real possibility we have to all consider here that the owner being as invested in the team as he is, is not good for anyone because it has irrevocably damaged the development process of Kako Lafreniere to a lesser extent, Ke'Andre Miller, Braden Schneider, who have shown a little bit more fl- consistency, but still you probably feel like there's more to get out of them. But because the owner was so impatient, because it was chasing that short high, the just get in the playoffs. We haven't made the playoffs since 2017. Just get in the playoffs. That's how you get Gallant as the coach. That's why you get the, the, uh, the artificial toughness as opposed to practical toughness. And that kind of trickles all down because you look at the way this roster is constructed – all of that cap flexibility they had after the summer of 2021 is gone. gone now because you gave Zbigniew and Fox extensions. You brought in Vincent Trocek. That's that's, that's it. Yeah. Well, that's literally it. Zbigniew and Trocek. That's 16. Fox is nine and a half. That's 24 and a half million dollars right there. Just those three guys. That's all the cap flexibility you had coming out of the rebuild. And now that you need Lafreniere, Kako to be counting stats, guys, they can't do it because two years ago, your coach was too worried about trying to make the playoffs in a fake season, where if you even made the playoffs in 2021, you would have been playing the Penguins in the first round. You would have been playing the Capitals in the first round, and you would not have beaten either of those teams. And it would have been reduced capacity, so you wouldn't have even made as much revenue as you really thought you were going to. All of this is really frustrating, and it's why everything feels so... I don't want to say it's the Titanic because I, I think the Rangers will probably be a playoff team next year. Yeah. But I, I think any illusions of them as a cup contender, at least for next season, barring something drastic, are are gone. I, I don't think there's a world in which you could sell me on this group being a cup contender, barring a major leap from somebody in the organization already, because they don't have the cap to go out and get somebody to make a real impact. No, they don't. But I, I, I do think that Chris Drury kind of, I don't want to say like has a long leash to make I don't like maybe interesting trades. I'll say, I don't think he's going to get rid of Jacob Trouba, but I do think he will uh, trade Barkley Goudreau. That at least alleviates some kind of cap. Like you're not going to fix the top six. The, the top six is what it is. You gave everybody a long-term a lifetime deals. Essentially. Sabinajad is not going to get moved. Panarin's not going to get moved. And like, and you know, talking about Panarin, like dude, my God, can you back check 
once during the playoffs. Like that was such an unmitigated disaster where like he he did it well when the Rangers won for some reason. When the Rangers were winning, he was all on board of uh, you know doing doing exactly what is needed. Uh, he, he skated, he back checked, he he made defensive plays. He was all on board. The second they started losing, he was out. He was out to lunch. And I don't really know like what that's about with Panarin cuz like and I know he oh, talked about it's entirely about, a confidence thing. It's entirely I, a confidence. I, I know thing. I know he talked about how he was, you know, he didn't have the greatest of confidence early on in the series and snowballed and all these things. But my guy, dude, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta like that two on one that the devil has had. And, and Panarin had, had his uh, controller disconnected for that one. Like, dude, just skates, man, just do something. Like you watch other teams defend a, a, a two on one rush. And the entire team is marathon sprinting down the other way to try to prevent the chance from from ending up in the back of their own net, like that is such a huge difference in how this team plays. And the the next general man, the next head coach, I should say, isn't going to magically fix Panarin not back checking. Like th- this is the Rangers' problem now, and they, I I don't see how they fix the top six. Zibanejad lifetime contract. Panarin lifetime contract, and I'm not. And again, I'm not here to suggest that you have to trade everybody and start anew. That's not what I'm saying either. But this is the team. This is these are the problems that we saw them have in multiple playoffs now, and it's not going to magically get fixed with a with a new head coach at the helm. And no. okay, so you you know you get rid of Goudreau. I. As as I'm sure has been said many times, people have no people know this. Like I would trade Jacob Truba. They ain't trading Jacob Truba with his eight million dollar contract and him delivering hits, and that's all he does. Like the, the Rangers desperately need, for example, a, a defensive a defensive player with Kendra Miller that has a modicum of offensive capability, a modicum, because Kendra Miller is so gifted in that role. If you give, if you like, let. I know we talked about this as like the dream role, but like Miller Fox would just absolutely. I think that's realistic. That's another point. And we have the entire summer to litigate the roster decisions that are upcoming. But I know I don't want to give Lindgren that next contract at 28 because the way he plays, that is that boy is aging in dog years. That man's I know that man woke up this morning and is in pain. Oh that yeah, 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 yeah. Like this, yeah. In a, in a few years, in a few years from now, we are set, like he he will just be Dan Girardi with an extra five on his back. Yeah. Girardi was five, and then Lindgren will just be now five five. Like that that'll like that'll just be what happens because and and listen, like I love Ryan Lindgren. The way he plays, his attitude, his you know he he will his constant his constant invaluable. bleeding. On the bench, like that, it's it's funny to watch. Like as as a fan, like every game you look you look at the bench and Ryan Lindgren's bleeding, and he's like back out there the next shift. Like that that is really that's a really positive thing to have in the locker room. The problem with that is, long term, it never works out because the by the by the mid thirties, that player has broken down completely, and and I and I understand the the thought process of I'm going to give it 110%. I'm going to sacrifice my body for the team. The problem with that is, is that you wake up at 33 years old and you cannot walk anymore. 
like at that like that you you have to find a compromise for yourself and most players by this point have have found that for themselves Ryan Lindgren is one of the few old school players in that regard of I don't care what happens to my body long term I will do everything and anything that I have that I can do to make sure that my team wins this this the sports puck game like that that is that is the only thing on his mind at that time and in the moment it's great he's a warrior he you know any any other of those synonyms that you want to throw at him he's that's what he is but long term you can't give him a contract you can't do it because by the in a couple of years from now like you said he's going to be a shell of himself he's going to be Dan Girardi with an with an with an extra 5 on his sweater and that's it like we'll be you know in a couple of years if they do give him that contract, we'll be talking about, oh, well, I can't believe they gave him that extension. This was the most predictable thing known to mankind because he slowed down considerably because he, you know, isn't the player that he was now. Like, we'll be talking about that in the future. So as, like, it, these are these are not easy decisions. This is why a general manager sometimes has to do the difficult decisions of, this is somebody that is well-liked by the fans, by the owner, I feel I'm probably by the owner, by the by the the, the upper owner management. Has no idea who Ryan. Lindgren he has no is. idea, James right? Not I, un- I understand that, but what I'm saying to you is that if he hated Ryan Lindgren, Ryan, Ryan Lindgren would not be on the team. So, like the upper management loves him, fans love him, the team clearly loves him, but but you have to look big picture and say, okay, well, will the, how well will this contract age? If I give Ryan Lindgren. A six-year deal, a seven-year deal, even if it's cost-effective, even if it's like at four million dollars a year, which will be low-balling Ryan Lindgren now, but will be expensive when it ends. Is how well will that kind of contract age? And it will age just about as well as Ryan Lindgren will. In that, it won't age well. Okay. Last real major topic of conversation before we open it up. Um. The problem is they need a coach who can do multiple things. They need somebody who can usher along that younger talent and build them up because those guys do not feel good about their respective games. They need genuine re they need to be remolded as professionals. And that might not be doable at this point. You might not be able to change a guy's habits at 21, 22. That sounds crazy to say because of how long players typically last, especially guys who are drafted high. They get a lot of chances, but the Rangers needed Kako, Lafreniere, Schneider, Miller, etc., to be not just good, like backbone type pieces where they're going to be able to be counted on for heavy minutes and produce counting stats as well. And you need a coach who can tap into Panarin, Zabinijad, Trocek, Kreider, Truba, etc., to get more out of them and to get them to play a certain way. And the undercurrent of all of that is it's a fragile group. They've already had oh, the coach yeah. changed on them. The coach changed on them twice in a three-year window. They've had multiple good players get jettisoned out for no real reason. They've really turned over a significant amount of this roster in a very quick amount of time considering how far along we thought they were two years ago versus where they are now. And you have conflicting ideas, conflicting goals, conflicting messaging, where coming into this year, we said, if they make the second round, I think that's a reasonably decent season. 
then as the season progressed, you got really dire there in early December where you thought, hey, maybe they missed the playoffs altogether. They write the ship, they get in, they go out anticlimactically. And there are so many conflicting ideas of right now about what the Rangers are and what the Rangers want to be that I think it's really hard to even identify good candidates for this because – do you really think you can win a Stanley Cup with this group? Because then that eliminates some of the candidates. Or if you want to say, hey, maybe we realize we need to take a year, then you're going to waste an entire year of Zabinijad, Kreider, Trocek, Panarin. There's no obvious slam dunk situa- solution here. They need a lot of ch- thing, um, philosophical changes in the way they're running everything because they have been so reactionary and all of their decision-making over the last three years that it's really hard to see the long-term plan because they've been running from fire to fire for so frequently now. They they changed the coach. They brought in Reeves, Goudreau, Nemeth, Blay. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, we're going to get Strom out of here. We're going to bring in Trocek. Oh, Kako and Lafreniere aren't ready? All right, let's go get Tarasenko. Let's go get Kane. Now, oh, that didn't work? Okay, let's get rid of Gallant. What can we do to change the roster now? And we don't know because this roster is so... It's so locked in at the top end that it's really hard to find impactful players to bring in around the margins. I know I was flirt- I was talking with Josh Califin the other day, like, what's the solution here? He's like, you throw over 35 incentive-laden contract at guys who need upside, like a guy like, you need those types of guys who are going to be able to come in and for no money because that's really the only solution you have here. You need the Jason Spezza Memorial contract for league <laughs> minimum that can get bumped up to 1.85 based on performance incentives. Those are really the only types of guys you're going to be able to bring in without sending guys out. And the only guys you can send out that have any value are Kako and Lafreniere. And you don't want to do that because those are supposed to be your building blocks for when Zabinijad, Panarin, Kreider, etc. age out. That's why it all feels so hopeless and directionless right now because there is no coach that makes sense. They don't need a developmental coach. They don't need a veteran coach. They need somebody who can can take care of everybody and there's nothing out there that indicates any of these guys are well well situated to do that the problem right now with the offensive structure the rangers have is that the young kids in the kid line and Hedl, Kako and Lafreniere and they mentioned it during breakup day was that they need more ice time they need more opportunities to show off that like hey I one I can do this and two if I can't do this I actually need room to grow so that I can learn to do the things that you want me to do they those three guys desperately need to 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 you know have their wing like let like let let them go Essentially, just yeah. let them go and do the things that they need to do. There will be growing pains because they haven't been able to develop those growing pains because they've been playing third line for bottom six minutes for their entire careers, despite being high level draft picks, supposedly high end talents that are playing behind high, high level talent. So they don't get the opportunities afforded to them that other high draft picks get usually. So the, the top six is stuck. Pretty much, I I know Terrace. I, I probably Tarasenko will 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 get a, a, a an expensive contract somewhere else. And I mean, I would like him to stay for cheap if possible because he was one of the few offensive forwards that actually cared over the course of that series. He he looked like he. Nah, wanted- you can't say that. You can't say they cared. That's that's too harsh. That that's like a character attack. You can't say he okay. not caring. Okay, he he was noticeable. For a okay, lot of the, for, he was very noticeable at, in moments where the Rangers didn't have enough of those players. 
Tarasenko was one of the few forwards for the Rangers when they were down and down bad in games in games four and five and seven. Tarasenko was one of the, the, the few shining moments in those games for the Rangers. So if he wants to come back for, you know, maybe a one year, a two year cheap deal, I'm not opposed to that. But the Rangers have their top six essentially established where the kid like they have you know they're they're 30 and aboveers in in Panarin and Zabinajad and Kreider and all those guys at the top and at the third line they have a, a trio of guys that don't get enough ice time that don't get enough opportunities and that can't really grow beyond their current scope because they don't get the opportunities because the top six is already set in stone so what do you do like you don't have the leeway to Again, if they played Lafreniere first line minutes when David Quinn was here, just let him let him go, let him make mistakes, because that was the year where they Rangers had the ability to do that. Yeah. And Zabenejad was a couple of years younger, Panera was a couple of years younger. Like, like that was that was the time to kind of get those kinks out of the system, so that by now. You, you would know what you had. You, That's the other part you, of first, this. They still right, don't exactly. know what those guys are. Exactly. You, you, you would have figured out a lot more what those kinds of players can bring to the table, what they are truly at the NHL level, and you would have figured out, okay, so Lafreniere was, was having difficulty with this two seasons ago, but we gave him the room to breathe and to make those mistakes. Now he's not making them anymore. Now he's more confident with the puck, because a lot of times when you watch Lafreniere with the puck, there has there's been gradual improvement. And Kapokaka was one of the players that took a really big step this season in his ability to be confident with the puck and kind of be sort of a power forward on that line. Like he 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 got a lot of muscle this this past season. Like he was able to really use his big frame to control the puck in the offensive zone. Like he did a really good job with that. The other the other and and Hito. Was a, he had a career year? Like he he was better, but the improvements are are not coming fast enough for them to be able to de- to deliver exactly what this team needs at the exact moments in time that they need them. And well, where are those opportunities going to come from? If the top six is already as as solidified as as they are, well then okay, well how, like now what? That's really how you can sum up a lot of what's what's on the horizon is now what do they do? Because it's very clear. It's not just the coach. It's very clear. It's not just the roster. It's not clear. It's very clear. It's not just the GM. It is everything. The way they have managed the organization the last couple of years has irrevocably changed the progression of what the roster was supposed to look like. They have tried to take the easy way out there's been a decent amount of arrogance throughout this entire process that figure it out we're the rangers come on you're telling me a group of guys that's this good isn't going to be able to achieve our goal that these guys we take first and second overall won't be able to figure it out because of how naturally they talented they are well yes i am saying that they have not just been able to figure it out based on their talent alone it is not just talent that gets you far along in the NHL. You also need a good environment to grow in. You need a good environment that's going to be able to get more out of you. 
all of these things are interconnected. It's not any one thing. There's long, short, and medium-term reasons for why the Rangers are where they are right now. And it's why there's so many questions. Because they've so haphazardly thrown this together over the last few years, we're now... You say you're a playoff team. Okay, what are you going to be? The Capitals post-winning the Cup? Are you going to be the Penguins post-winning their Cups where you've got a really good expensive core, but because you didn't have the time to develop those guys around the margins, you're constantly changing what's around them? That's really all you can do at this point is change what's around the margins. You lucked out. You got a really good goalie. That'll always give you a decent floor. But, you know, you only got two more years at Igor at this number, and then he's going to want the pay bump he rightfully deserves. And then you got to jettison another middle six guy to keep your franchise goalie. And very soon you're on that carousel of mediocrity where you might think, hey, all we need to do is get things to break right. And then very quickly you've been eliminated in the first round three years in a row because you have a flawed roster. Well, then they become the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, basically, yeah. That that's even a more apt comparison than the Capitals. Yeah, that they become the Winnipeg Jets. The Winnipeg Jets have have, have uh, Connor Hellbuck. They have some talent in in Ehlers and Shifley and all these and all these guys and Josh Morrissey. But the team is mediocre. They make the they yeah. made the playoffs literally off the back of Connor Hellbuck, which is a lot of the Rangers' mo is to just just get in, baby, because our goalie is better than yours, and we'll fix it later maybe maybe not that the the jets are doing what the rangers have done in years past where just get in because our goalie is better we have talent throughout the lineup and maybe we'll figure it out from there and surprise surprise they don't and the jets got destroyed in five games like that that was it and the the parallels are there if the rangers and I don't know. I, I I genuinely don't know. If you're Chris Drury, like, what do you do? Because the again, the the contracts are so immovable for a lot of these guys. Unless some team comes up, comes to Drury and says, you know, we'll how about this massive blockbuster trade, or we'll take Panarin and Truba. I I don't I don't like. I guess you could just whip up NHL 23 and and try your luck there. But like, in reality, these trades, especially NHL, like, if we're talking about the NBA, anything is possible. But this is the NHL where big, big, big ticket players never get traded because everybody is afraid or like don't doesn't want to do it. I don't know. But like big, big stars don't get moved. That's the whole shtick of the NHL is that they they will hold on to players far longer than they need than they and they probably should. Like that 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 is the NHL's mo. So you're you're not gonna trade star for star probably. The top six is what it is. The third line is what it is. They're just not like you you might bump up their ice time by like a minute or two. But overall, you know, they're not going to suddenly get top line minutes. You're not they're not going to get top line opportunities. And the fourth line, I mean, the fourth line was really good this year. Like the Goudreau was going to get moved for somebody that doesn't make a million, a, a three point six million dollars that they definitely can, can get somebody that's cheaper than that. But Mott, I hope, I hope Tyler Mott stays. He had a, he, he had a good tenure with the Rangers. Uh, Jimmy VC looked really good for the Rangers this season. So he's probably going to stay. That's okay. So like 10, nine of the 12 forwards are going to be the same going into next year. And the and, coach is supposed to make it, a marginal change on who yeah, it is. Exactly. Like, that's what makes that's, this all so that that's really what, 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 what we're trying to, trying to hammer down is, while 
you know, especially like last week, at, right after the game, I, I got on Gallant for not making the adjustments, and I and I still think that was warranted. At the end of the day, this 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 team is what it is, and Gallant wasn't. You know, he can't magically like we talked about. He can't magically make Panarin backcheck. He can't make Zabinajad an offensive powerhouse if he's not on the power play. Like these are things that a, a, a different coach can't do. A different coach might be able to to do mid-game adjustments better. And by better, I mean any at all. Please and thank you. I beg of you, please anything. That'd be that would be an improvement. But he can't just fix the bottom the, the top six and make them play the exact way that he that they want to every single game. It's just not gonna happen. And if you're Chris Drury, like good luck. That's all I gotta say to Chris. Christopher, good luck. Oh, that's the last point I want to touch on here because I made this point the other day to somebody. The, the clock's ticking on Drury now. Yep. He's already gotten us. He's on his second coach. Yep. He's given out all of the cap flexibility he has. He doesn't have a lot of wiggle room now. It won't be long before James Dolan turns the ire on him for this situation if yeah. things do not dramatically change. It's you. You usually get two coaches as a GM. The average GM tenure in the NHL is five and a half years. You yeah. usually get to hire two coaches before the heat's on you. Jury's only been the GM for two. I understand that. He also spent a lot of the team's flexibility and assets to go all in the last two seasons and doesn't have a lot to show for it. He threw one coach off the bus already. If he gets another coach in here and something similar happens, it won't be that much of a stretch to say both are getting pushed off the ship at the same time if two years from now they're in a similar position. Right. Well, here's the well, here's the I, the, the thought process too is like, okay, well, there's going as soon as this happens, the rumors are going to be swirling because this is what the NHL does. The floor, the Tampa Bay, not the Tampa Bay, like the Florida Panthers are one game away from sweeping the Maple Leafs. Game four yes. is is Wednesday the tenth. Obviously, you know we're recording this on on the eighth, so we don't know the the results of that. If Florida wins, I would have to imagine that Toronto is going to axe Dubis. They're going to axe. Well, Dubis is a free agent. Dubis doesn't have a contract after this. Well, year, they're so not going to be basically like, regardless of whether he does or, or doesn't. He's probably he's going to be gone. Uh, yes. They're probably going to. He's been tied to Pittsburgh. Keith doesn't really Keith, entice and, me all that well, much. Well, that that was that was even my next point is Sheldon Keith. Also, I would have to imagine out the door. Like if the if the Maple Leafs lost in seven, I I, I still probably think both of them are gone. Be, given the Florida Panthers, you know, history to this point, they they beat the they beat the the Bruins in marvelous fashion. Sure, the the Maple Leafs should have had. Uh, not I don't want to say an easy time, but a better time that they're currently having yes. against them. So that like a sweep would be catastrophic. And even though I understand they won the, the first playoff series in 20 years, you know the parade has been already been thrown. I get that, but to lose in the way that they're that they're losing Keith's right better now than anybody else out is, there. But I is, still don't is, think it, it's like that. that it's better. you know I understand that they that they won that they won a series, but getting swept in the second round is not much better. So like. The the rumors of Shel- of Sheldon Keefe to the Rangers are going to swirl as soon as this as soon as the series ends. Can the Maple Leafs win four in a row? I mean, I guess it's the NHL. Anything can happen. But like, if the Maple Leafs lose in the second round, I would have to imagine that Keefe is going to be out the door. And then immediately, as, that, as soon as that happens, Keefe to the Rangers rumors are, are going to be flying out 
Brooks is going to write an article about it. Uh, Freeman is going to talk about it on 32 Thoughts. Like, oh, well, show the keep is on the market. Well, what about the Rangers? Oh, it's like, I, I'm okay, well, the hole in this right now for you. Yeah. So this is what I have heard from two different people about this. And there's no, obviously, I cannot independently verify this because I don't know who the sources they have spoken to are. I have heard conjecture that Lou is going to move upstairs from the GM job. And if Tampa Bay goes out, he's just going to bring his boys from Toronto to Long Island <laughs> together as a package deal. I have heard that, again, cannot verify, but right. it's plausible. Lou did hire both of those guys in Toronto originally under him. So it's within the realm of possibility. I've heard um, uh, Dubis linked to Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh wants to fundamentally real realign their the way their front office is set up. I think they and just they go give- with, with Tulski because Eric Tulski has been the, been the talk of the town for a while now. Tulski's linked to everybody wants to talk to him. He's got a good resume. He's the best of the unproven guys. That's the problem with the coaching carousel. There isn't the equivalent Eric Tulski that's out there. I know there's not a a hot college coach. There's no NHL assistant that really moves the needle. There's no AHL coach that really jumps out at you. Sure, maybe you can talk me in the knoblock, but... You really have to do some serious convincing to tell me that they're going to bring in a guy who's never coached at the NHL level before, and that's going to fundamentally change anything. Uh, I hope things go better. Of course, that's the undercurrent of all of this. I hope there's a very obvious uh, solution we're not thinking of. By all means, if there is a coach out there that makes sense, that might actually address some of these concerns. That'd be great. But I'm worried, Andrew. I'm very worried. I, I I just I doubt it's going to be Laviolette. I doubt it's going to be any of those boring names because again, like if you if you fire somebody like Gallant, you have to bring in somebody that has a different mindset and a different coaching style. Whereas if you bring in a lot of these play coaches that have coached a million years, well, they have different styles, sure. But they they come from the same cloth of like, you know, these are all the same kind of. Oh, I listen to my Capital fan friends complain about Peter Lavulette's <laughs> management of the young players for the last three years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like. He's... It's why in season we said Barry Trotz wouldn't fix the Rangers issues, right. too, because it's the same thing. Right, Barry's right, a right. good coach, but he's not going to change the way he thinks because it behooves the Rangers situation. Right. And like the, a lot of these names are just not interesting. They, they are names that won't that won't really impact the end result. And yeah. you can put like, I know Bruce Boudreaux would let the offense probably explode more. Cause that's, that's part of his whole shtick is under under Boudreaux, the offense shines like that. That's been the whole thing for his entire uh, tenure as a head coach. And maybe, maybe that might work for some, for some players for the Rangers. Cause like the, it, Maybe maybe that makes Zabinajad all of a sudden want to shoot the puck every now and again if he's on the power play. Like maybe at five on five, Zabinajad actually takes a shot at the net. Maybe Jacob Truba doesn't shoot wide anymore. I don't know. Maybe, like, they maybe- teach Jacob Truba basic risk assessment, being like, <laughs> "Hey, should I skate full speed at somebody who has the puck and leave my partner by themselves because I can hit yeah. the guy, or should I stay where I am and eat- casually play the puck?" in a way that establishes possession and allows my team to go yeah. the other way. Well, Should I take yeah, this unimpeded slap shot? 
Should I take this slap shot at the goalie's chest that he has a clear line of sight on that's going to hit somebody in the eighth row? Or should I pass the puck and maintain the cycle? Yeah. Who's yeah. to say? Like that, like that kind of thing isn't going to get fixed with a new GM. The, uh, I mean a new coach. The, the thing with a new coach is you need to bring in somebody that actually has an understanding of what to do mid-game if, you're, if your plan coming in isn't working. You need somebody that actually has a plan that's B. That's not the way hockey works, Andrew. Listen, I hate to tell you uh, this. Listen, that only I, I, happens in listen, the playoffs. I'm not, and that's listen. only the really good ones. The only the really good coaches in hockey. I, do I'm not. I'm not out here suggesting that you have a secondary, completely full plan of of things to do when 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 your primary isn't working. But you gotta if if like in Game Seven, for example, right when the Rangers were getting absolutely dumpstered, you gotta just change anything because clearly whatever you were doing prior to that just absolutely unequivocally was getting you dumpstered like your your Andrew, entire plan that team said one two three cancun that's what happened nothing right you could have done Listen, in that I, game but the, the the point i'm trying to make is i understand the players the players said that but i needed to see an an effort I needed to see Gallant at least try to do oh, anything about. Oh, you didn't see him yelling at Vinny Trocheck? Great! I'm was, so I'm yeah. so happy. I'm so happy he did, he did that. I need to see some kind of effort to make adjustments made. I'm not like again. I'm not out here saying like you gotta have an entirely new pocket like strat book in your back pocket to have it at your disposal. But what I am saying to you is, if your plan A is getting absolutely destroyed in in the most critical part of the season, I want to see you at least try to do something else. That's it. Like that's that's all I want. So now that we have irrevocably damaged your perception of the New York Rangers franchise and basically laid out how there's no hope. We hope you guys will be back next week because there's a whole lot more to talk about because we didn't really actually talk about the roster and the play in the series all that much because obviously firing the coach is the most pressing story, the most newsworthy story and the main emphasis. And rightfully so, that is the most important story right now. But as the summer progresses, there will be plenty more to discuss in terms of the actual hockey. But until we get clarity on the coaching situation, this is kind of going to be a wait and see. Maybe something happens that's encouraging, but until then, we'll we'll be in that wait and see mode. Uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast. Videos more your thing. We're on YouTube as well. Make sure you are following along wherever, wherever you like on social, whether you're a Twitter, or Instagram, whatever. We're on all the major platforms. That stuff is fun. It's the only thing that keeps you sane. If you don't joke about this, you will go insane. So by all means, please joke about this. Otherwise, you will very quickly have a midlife crisis at like 25, which you probably shouldn't do, about men with knife shoes slapping a rubber (laughs) disc around. But that's neither here nor there. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, Go outside at some point. It's better than hockey. That's right. Touch grass. Touching grass grass. is good. Yep. Later. See you guys.